Sholem Aleichem. Welcome to Tune In, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I am here in the studio, or visiting on the phone, with Randy Setembrino, owner of the Blue Moon Hotel, which is located in New York City's Lower East Side. As their website suggests, stepping inside the hotel, one is transported in time, much like walking into a historic Manhattan art museum. The building, which is an historic 19th century tenement building, once inhabited by immigrants and factory workers, was partially sealed off for some 70 years until it was lovingly restored by Randy Settenbrino. Welcome, Randy. Hi. Shalom Aleichem. Shalom Aleichem to you. So tell me, how did you um, get involved in the restoration and opening up a hotel? What's the, what's the story behind the Blue Moon Hotel? Well, I was, um, I went to high school in the Lower East Side, and I always loved the Lower East Side. Um, I imagine there's a lot of people that are in an age where they can remember when it was teeming with Jewish merchants, even in the 70s and 80s, and it started to dissipate in the 90s. And um, an artist, as you well know, and I um, had this vision of the Lower East Side, um, as a place that I wanted to do business to, with originally. So I would manufacture design, and I had a couple of stores that I ran there. And then the opportunity came up to buy a half a building, and it was a beautiful old tenement. You know, I, I mean, I saw beauty where other people saw disrepair, um, which uh, helped me to do this project as well, because um, I have the sensibility that the beauty's in the imperfections. I'm now trying to carry that over into my general life as well, but it was one of the principles I used in creating the Blue Moon. In any event, I uh, bought half the building, wrangled for the second half, and uh, then I had another epiphany to create a hotel while, with new infrastructure, and uh, but by the same time, warehousing and bringing everything down to a hand finish, all the details and architectural pieces so that I can reincorporate them, reincorporate them into a new skin throughout the entire building, and, uh, so, which I did. It took five years, Wow. which um, as a passionate artist, I uh, was able to uh, endure to see my work come to fruition. As a visionary, one needs to have that patience, um, and I'm sure it's an ongoing process. And I, I wonder, Randy, I know that you also describe yourself as both an artist and, um, and an architect in terms of this project. And how, how did the original tenement and, and those who lived there influence or inform the restoration and sort of how you reimagined the space, but in keeping you know, beholden to those who originally habitated the building? Well, the um, tenement itself um, was um, 18, 1879, and um, the last day that anyone lived there was 1936. So due to the um, social enactments by then, uh, Mayor LaGuardia, which is uh, Jewish mother, Italian father, I have uh, affinity towards him, <laughs> um, created these social enactments that made it cost prohibitive for the then landlords to um, 
make the required changes. So many of the landlords uh, were also not interested in having tenants uh, burn down their buildings or flood them, their goods. So they boarded up the upper floors, and they continued to run their um, businesses, which Orchard Street was a place of business for over 100 years. So the main uh, most important part of this building was the street entrance level shopping, which uh, you kind of could call the Champs-Élysées of the Lower East Side, Orchard and Delancey. So they, by doing this, this particular couple, uh, Potcaroni, and um, their adjacent neighbors, Liebermans, uh, sailed off the upper floors, and they left, left a treasure trove of artifacts and personal effects that I came across. And because of that, I created a series of 14 collages with ephemera and personal effects and letters and uh, cards and all kinds of beautiful things that belong to the tenants. Also, there was a long history of merchants. So I found a treasure trove of Depression-era green stamps, which I used to underlay in the, in the collages. And I also found a beautiful series of hundreds of um, calling cards, table cards, which I uh, stored, warehoused, and then uh, created um, uh, pieces out of each one. And everything's themed. The collages are themed and the calling cards. And the calling cards went on the fir- are located on the first six floors. And they're like the cam- uh, images similar to the Campbell Soup Kids and the um, um, what we uh, a more wholesome times that we are that um, those of us who are turn going towards middle age might remember as children Gibson girls and all kinds of uh, modestly dressed beauties uh, and. Um, Pickaninnies and so far, all, all kinds of incredible images that uh, you'd be hard-pressed to come across if you wanted to see them in one location. So between the merchants' um, calling cards and the piece which I curated on the first six floors and the personal effects of the people who lived in the room that I created these 14 collages in the, uh, in the uh, restaurant entertainment area and uh, 6th, 7th, and penthouse floors, um, they gave an extra added addition of being able to step back in time and touch the people that lived in the building. That's wonderful, because um, it seems like the, these really celebrate Yiddish and Jewish culture, um, these artifacts. Um, and I, I see that you name a lot of the different rooms um, after personalities. There's the Eddie Cantor Penta, uh, penthouse, the mm-hmm. Marx Brothers um, room. Um, enjoy the hydro massage baths in Mickey Katz or Al Jolson's lavish bathroom. Can you take us on a quick, maybe um, a virtual tour of one of the rooms, just so we get a sense of what we'd find? Well, I would imagine to the Yiddish Book Institute that the most important room would be the Molly Pekin room. She was the queen of Yiddish theater, and so that's one of my favorite rooms. And this is a gorgeous room. You'd be hard-pressed to find anything like it in New York because it's a it's approximately 700 square feet with a private bedroom. It has um, a six-foot hydro massage and a 26-wide terrace. And when you step out, you feel like you're in a villa. 
and that you own New York City. Um, the, the experience is amazing. But when you step back into the room, the, the view outside, oh, but by the way, the view outside, you, you look down towards Houston, those who know New York, or you look up towards Canal, and you see the rows of tenements, and you feel like you're stepping back in time. When you come back in your room, there's um, many uh, architectural details that are incorporated in the room. And uh, there's an old stove from the 1920s. It was, it's actually one of the most modern stoves in the uh, hotel. And a beautiful singer sewing machine made out of wood. That belong, And uh, a beautiful credenza. And these, these, these particular items belong to um, an operator. On a, on a machine that I knew that survived the war that came to America. And we adopted kind of as a Zaidi. Mm-hmm. He bequeathed these two items to me. And he adored Molly Pekin. So I put those particular, those two particular items as not only a memorial to the Lower East Side, Molly Pekin, but also to this beautiful human being, Aaron Katz. And, and your location is really great in terms of your across from the Tenement Museum, um, I'm wondering if there are certain itineraries that you recommend to guests and walking within the area. Okay, so this is, it's so immense that it's mind-boggling because we're, we're really like the epicenter. If you, walk, if you walk west, you walk to Soho. If you walk south, you're at the seaport. I mean, just, just several blocks, you know. And then if you walk uh, north, you're in the East Village. And there's financial district, Chinatown, Little Italy. The whole New York is only 33 square miles, but the most choice part of the city that the real New Yorkers want to come to is exactly where we're located. So there, and you can get there. You, there's all the trains are there: the F, the B, the D, the Q, the Z, the M, the J. Everything's there. So, in addition to the Tenement Museum being across the street, I would imagine there are other sort of iconic buildings okay. or locations that oh. relate to Yiddish and Jewish culture? Well, I, I one of my favorite buildings is the Beau Arts Building of the Forwards, um, which is on uh, East Broadway, opposite um, a beautiful little park. And if you go around the corner from there, there was a park, a little kitty park, and I used to go there as a, as a, early, as a young teenager, and it was in memory of Captain Jacob Joseph, who died in the Korean War. He was the grandson of Rabbi Jacob Joseph, the one and only uh, chief rabbi of New York. And then on that block was the, around the corner, was five buildings that belonged to the oldest yeshiva in New York, was RJJ, Rabbi Jacob Joseph School, and Dora Golding, and all the old philanthropists that came, that wanted, that crawled out of the tenements themselves and became successful wanted to create that continuity for the next generation. And so many got together and they built this amazing institute that still exists in a different form today elsewhere, but was uh, encompassed that whole block. On that corner, next block up, if you, I mean, you can do an amazing Yiddish uh, tour. It's, it's a Chinese restaurant today, but it breaks my heart because when I was a kid, I remember it was the garden cafeteria. And Isaac Bashev, a singer, would go there, and other intelligentsia. And um, they would get online like everyone else, 
get their cheesecake or whatever it was, or a potato soup and sit down. And um, Yiddish was the vernacular, even even as late as the, the late 70s. That's wonderful. And that's all within walking distance of the hotel, correct? Much of this. That's is, all in yeah, walking yeah. distance. And there's 24 synagogues. They're not all alive, but they're open. Around the corner from the synagogue is also uh, Yanina Kadosha, which is an amazing synagogue. It doesn't have much to do with Yiddish. It's um, it's a small kahila of Greek Jews that um, jumps a Roman slave ship as it was sinking, and they have their own Nusuk, uh, Masora tradition. And uh, many of them ended up on the Lower East Side, and they opened their own synagogue, and it's right around the corner and there's Eastport Way, uh, many old synagogues, including the famous Mesifta um, Teferet Yushalayim, which was the place that the uh, the Posa Kador, who was the one, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, that everybody uh, rec- acknowledges as was the halakhic leading authority, and that's where he, he worked out of. And that's an old building, too, maybe 19... Early, late, early. It's newer than the others, but they moved around. Oh, and not to—I can't uh, not mention the Eldridge Street Synagogue, which was, um, I believe, a twenty million dollar restoration over uh, fifteen years. Yeah, fabulous. And it's magnificent. Fabulous destination. Now, the hotel also boasts, um, if you are going to set out on a walk, um, you have a kosher bakery and kosher takeout still. Okay, what we have. Um, which the staff from the uh, Institute, both Yiddish Book Institute, say there is a breakfast that reflects on the uh, cultural element of Lower East Side. There's, there's bagels, there's uh, four different times of, types of rugelach, juice, tea, coffee, um, spreads, and that's gratis. You get that at the, uh, for morning breakfast. Um, when you come in, you get a glass of wine. It's a kosher wine. It's not Manischewitz, it's a Shapiro. I'm sorry, it's more a dry wine, whether it's white or red. You know, we have some innovations. Mm-hmm. Um, not to, you know, you know, always aesthetics trump the purest element <laughs> in all my visionary. <laughs> well, it sounds like a, a wonderful destination, and if you happen to be in New York, I encourage you to think about staying and visiting and and certainly tapping into your wealth of information about the neighborhood in terms of places to visit near, um, you know, in and around. Um, Lisa, one thing I'd like to bring to your mind is that we have a fabulous Facebook. We have 4,500 people that go to our Facebook. So everybody should go and like it, and they can go back and they can see all the stars. You know, many people that were in both the Yiddish world and who, who were able to straddle into the Hollywood. Paul Muni is one. Molly Teakin, um, Milton Burrow, Sid Caesar, and uh, we have all their bios, and we continue to do bios of all the celebrities from the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Well, fabulous. It, it sounds great, Randy. Thank you, and we'll certainly um, make sure to post information about how to find you on the web. It is bluemoon-nyc.com, and on Facebook you are... Is uh, the Blue Moon Hotel? Um, it's the Blue Moon Hotel. I can't. I I'd have to take a look. I'm on, sorry. On Facebook. Okay. Well, we'll we'll share that with our our listeners. Again, but it's the only one in New York, <laughs> okay. right? There is, there are other Blue Moons. 
in Florida and so on, but we're the only one in New York. Only one. Moon Hotel. We have 4,500 fans, so I imagine you guys will find us as well. Well, thanks again, Randy. Okay, pleasure speaking to you, Lisa. Nice to speak with you. Okay, sei gesund. Sei gesund. Okay. You've been listening to Tune In, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit our website, yiddishbookcenter.org. Our producer is Sarah Bleichfeld. I'm Lisa Newman. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon.